This is Inputs, the podcast by Top Crop Manager, Canada's national source for the latest agronomic research, crop production, and technology trends. You've tuned in to hear conversations about relevant research, best production practices, and everything in between. Spring into pre-emergent weed control action for canola and pulse crops with Edge Microactive. Powerful Group 3 action takes out the broadest assortment of grass and broadleaf weeds, including kochia, wild buckwheat, and barnyard grass, before they can take over your crop. Use Edge Microactive as a part of your herbicide layering program to help maximize yields today and manage resistance tomorrow. Go to ca.gowanco.com for details. Always read and follow label directions from Gowan Company. Hi, my name is Alex Bernard, editor for Top Crop Manager East, and I'm speaking today with Tracy Bowdy, field crop entomologist with the Ontario Ministry of Agriculture, Food, and Rural Affairs. So today we are going to do a little bit of an insect pest forecast for the 2023 season and talk a little bit about lambdicide halothrin. To kind of provide a bit of context, which insect pests caused the most trouble in field crops in 2022? Surprisingly, 2022 was in a horrible year. I know someone's going to go, but I had this. Yep, I am aware. <laughs> but in general, I wouldn't pick 2022 as one of those really bad, unpredictable years, which is a good thing because that doesn't always happen. Some things do stand out, though. Of course, we've had some resistant issues, both with corn rootworm, which is spreading. More sites have been found basically from Chatham, Kent, all the way up towards Durham County with resistant corn rootworm. The other one is two-spotted spider mite that's resistant to dimethoate, which that's a pest on a lot of crops, but in particular soybeans and dry beans, that active dimethoate, Saigon or Lagon, is the only real economically effective product or used to be effective product we had for those crops. So I'm concerned because the more years that we have dry weather, both of those pests thrive in. So that's what we're watching for there every year from now on. And then the other pest that stands out to me for 2022 is that Eastern Ontario had soybean aphids. And that's been the second year in a row that they've had that, which is not even on the radar of a lot of the Southwestern Ontario growers these days, but they do have a good, decent amount of overwintering soybean aphids in that area that helps enable the maintenance of those infestations. So they're aware, but certainly are having to spray in some cases for that pest, which is, again, not something that is the norm in the last 10 years. Now, corn rootworm overwinters in fields, correct? Winter weather doesn't tend to impact them as much. So they're going to be there regardless. It's a matter of that we keep giving them their food that they want, which is continuous corn. So that will continue to be a problem unless growers change their practices to rotate out of corn once at the minimum every four years. They can do it more frequent than that if they can. And I'm not saying all acres have to be rotated at once, but in that case, it would be beneficial for them to not solely rely on BT corn now and rotate out so that it helps restore or at least prolong what we have left of the usefulness of the BT hybrids. Now, two-spotted spider mites, do they also overwinter here or do they come in from elsewhere? Yep, they do overwinter. And again, mild winters may be a benefit to them, but it's certainly the dry conditions in the summer that play a big role in whether they thrive or are not as big of a problem. So 
With that as the basis and with what we've seen of the winter so far, which insect pests do you anticipate being a problem during the 2023 growing season? So I am definitely concerned because it's been such a mild winter for a few of our early season pests. That, and especially beetles. Beetles are the ones that overwinter right at the soil surface, like close under the leaf litter or just within that first inch or so of ground. So bean leaf beetle and cereal leaf beetle would be two that I would see being able and ready to come out earlier than usual. And also they would have survived better this winter in particular. And then even just in general, the soil pests like wireworms and grubs, because again, the soil's likely gonna warm up quicker sooner and they'll be up at the surface ready to feed. And then, as I mentioned, I think now we have to look at every year potentially being a concern for both rootworm and two-spotted spider mites, especially if it's a hotter, drier season. So those are the ones that are mainly on my radar. And of course, as I mentioned last year with soybean aphids, the yeast likely should pay attention because they're overwintering there. And the milder the winter, the more chance they'll be out and ready to, to come out when they do. What sort of management practices or chemical products are there for soybean aphid that Eastern growers could consider? There are quite a few still for them to be able to utilize. So in general, any of these early season pests that overwinter and likely overwinter successfully here this year, those should either have insecticide seed treatment on the early planted crop fields or avoid planting early, early. Don't be the very first to be out there with your crop coming up because those are the ones that these very early season pests are going to target. That's the case for bean leaf beetles, soybean aphid. But going back to soybean aphids in particular, and I know we'll talk about this soon with the Lambda Sahelithrin products being removed, or at least not for use in field crops this year, there's still quite a few other foliar products that they can turn to. And a lot were already starting to look and use Safina, which seems to be working better in some cases than Matador was. But there's also four other products listed. So we're not too concerned about that pest in particular and what this Lambda Sahelithrin issue is going to have on it. Okay. Are there any newish or unusual insect pests that producers should keep an eye on? No, thankfully, other than again, assuming that the resistance problems that we have are just going to keep advancing further, spreading further and becoming more of a problem. So that's what really has my attention. There are a couple of emerging pests, I would say, in some of the U.S. states, but they're not close enough yet that I'm concerned, but we are keeping an eye. So we keep putting the word out just to pay attention to, but really it hasn't been on my radar that we have to really worry about that yet, which is a good thing. We have our own problems <laughs> to deal with right now to sort out, to, especially in a year when some are losing the use of, of their go-to products. For those growers that tended to turn to Matador or Silencer or Volume Express as their product of choice, yeah, there's going to need to be some shifting of their plans to accommodate these other products that they can turn to. And so, you know, that in itself will be a bit of a headache because it's not going to be the same as usual for any of our field crop pests. Wireworms. I've heard about them a lot in... Western Canada, and I've heard about them in Atlantic Canada, especially in potato crops. Are they a mm -hmm. major issue for Ontario growers? They can be, certainly depending on certain soil types and the crop that they're growing. Some have wireworms take out the crop quite often, 
But we also have insecticide seed treatments to at least provide some, I say, protection. We don't have products. And even when we lost the Munichs, they weren't actually physically controlling the pests. They were just kind of making them drunk for a little while. So there are new products now that do actually control and manage the populations, Cymegra. And there's a few new actives that actually provide control, which helps knock back the populations. But even there's new work on cover crops, buckwheat, for example, that can play a role in suppressing or keeping the wireworms from wanting to really do well in, in those certain fields. So there's new techniques and practices that we can turn to with wireworms, which is nice to see. Are there any practices growers should consider in the early season to reduce the risk of insect pest pressure? I know you mentioned kind of not being the first one out into the field as one. Yeah, so obviously using insecticide seed treatments when they really do have to go in early. And then even just trying to promote beneficials in any way, because a lot of the pests that we have, especially aphids, for example, they are always here at some level, but it's usually the beneficials that keep them at bay. So if you can help promote those by adding diversity into your system, whether that's through cover crops or another actual crop, it can be a three or four year rotation, then that helps improve diversity and gives the natural enemies a reason to stick around. You've spoken about this on the Field Crop News blog. Products using Lambda Cyhalothrin will no longer be usable as of April 2023. So they've got one month left before it's kind of kaput. Which major pests and crops does this affect? So interestingly, technically most of the field crops are still going to remain on the labels of Matador, Silencer, Volume Express, and Endigo. However, the reason why they're being excluded from all feed uses is because the data was showing Pimaria concern with residues actually still remaining in livestock products, whether it's milk or the meat, for consumers, the humans. So because it says do not use on feed crops or crops being used for feed, that eliminates all field crops essentially at play. Because here in Eastern Canada, we really don't have the ability to segregate out treated from untreated crop. And so regardless of what crop it is, after harvest, you can't guarantee that it's not going to end up in feed at some level. Even if it's soybeans or dry beans that are downgraded, they end up in feed in some way. So that eliminates all of our uses on field crops for safety. But that said, we haven't lost, I can't look at any of our pests and say we have no products available for them. However, in some cases, they're very old products that we're turning to. In the case, for example, of alfalfa weevil, there's things like malathion or dimethoate. And the problem with dimethoate in particular is that it shouldn't be applied to a blooming crop or even five days to blooming because of the risk of pollinators. The same goes for canola. We definitely have cordage in there to help with Swede midge, but then we're turning to desis which is an older pyrethroid. And again, it should not be applied when pollinators are present. And so that means that any of these other older products, they're going to need to be applied at 8 p.m. or later when the pollinators aren't visiting these high value crops for pollinators like alfalfa and 
canola. So those two in particular have me concerned of how are we going to best manage our pests. And in the case of cabbage seed pod weevil, which is also another major canola pest, they only have desis now to turn to, which again has to be applied at 8 p.m. or later. So growers are going to really have to decide which is my major pests, what product can I turn to, and expect that if you have to manage it, you really need to be doing a lot of late evening applications to keep the pollinators safe. Okay, so it's limiting, but it's not impossible. Limiting. And in the case of alfalfa, of course, we always say for either the pests, potato leafhopper or alfalfa weevil, harvest. Harvesting early is the best option, regardless of whether we would have had matador to use too. But in some cases, that just doesn't align well. The crop isn't quite ready to be harvested. It's too young. Or even if they do harvest early and the insect is still thriving or comes back, then they have to turn to an insecticide. So just be aware. Harvest first if they can and early, but then monitor. And if they have to, then they're going to have to spray in the evening to protect those pollinators. Is there anything else you'd like growers to know at the moment? Well, we certainly do hope that data will come in to change the decision on some of these crops or at least prove that their use can be done or maybe a mechanism to be able to segregate these crops in some way. But this just makes us refocus on how do we manage these pests or add additional practices and tools to reduce the reliance on insecticide in particular. Thanks for tuning in to Inputs, the podcast by Top Crop Manager. To hear more great research and perspectives from industry experts, visit topcropmanager.com slash podcasts or catch up on past episodes wherever you listen to podcasts.